are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Well, we want to welcome you tonight to Growth University. We're glad you're here, and I'm glad for the opportunity to share the Word of God with you. And I just want to give you a couple quick announcements to remind you about things. This week, the United Pentecostal Church has a general conference going on, and it is virtual. So if you've never been to a general conference, you can actually go this week, and you don't even have to leave your home. Um, The services are phenomenal. If you go to the United Pentecostal Church International's website, you can link from there. It's also on their Facebook page. Last night, uh, we heard a wonderful message, just incredible service. Last night was the mission service. So feel free to go on. Even during the day, there's seminars going on, all kinds of things going on. So um, feel free to take advantage of that. Also want to remind you that Trunk or Treat is coming up, and we're really excited about it. We are doing a COVID Trunk or Treat. It's going to be awesome. Uh, we do need your help, though. There's a table in the foyer if you want to see Anthony Mitchell. He can help you figure out where you can volunteer. And then also, I, want, I haven't had the chance to say this, but I want to say thank you for your help on Friends Day. Wow, what a, an amazing Friends Day we had. So many volunteers And we had so many changes, but it all worked, praise God. And that was due to our incredible team of volunteers that just pitched in. And we even had some volunteers that filled three or four different roles during Friends Day to get Friends Day, you know, accomplished. And I'm very, very thankful for that. So anyway, thank you. Well, so tonight, uh, I just want to share with you my heart from the Word of God, some things that have been working me over from the Word of God, and hopefully it'll be a blessing to you tonight. Um, On Monday, March 23rd, 2020, at 11.59 p.m., Ohio came under a stay-at-home order. Do you remember that day? We all knew that moment was coming, 11.59 p.m. The rise of the coronavirus forced upon us so many changes, and our lives have been affected financially and physically and relationally and emotionally and spiritually. Do you agree? We have been in a very unique time. And so we actually, I figured it up, I counted the days, and we have been in this new environment now for 184 days. That is just over half a year. Can you believe that? We just hit the half-year mark in the coronavirus uh, pandemic. So a question I've been asking myself is, and you probably have asked yourself this, how has the pandemic changed me? not just changed my routines or my schedules or the fact that I'm wearing a mask everywhere I go, but how has it really changed me as a person? And I think the thing that has challenged me the most has been this question. Have I grown personally during this time? Or has this pandemic come on me and I didn't have a clue what was going on and I've just ridden it out But I felt so challenged in the Holy Ghost to say, wait, we've got a very unique season going here where God is doing something. And I am, am I in tune with that? Do I, have you felt that in your spirit a little bit? Is this just going to pass me by? And when it's over, I'm going to look back and say, well, I made it through a pandemic. But how will I have been changed? How am I a different person because of this? I found this quote by a young African man who has become a voice for reform. He was speaking about learning and growing and changing, and he said this, 
When you abbreviate your learning, you abbreviate your growth. Expand your knowledge, and you keep growing taller and fatter than your limitations. I thought that was awesome. (laughs) Israel Moore Ayor is his name. He said, if you expand your knowledge, you keep growing taller and fatter than your limitations. I think that must be an African way to say something. But when when I read that, I'm like, thank you for saying that. That's happened to me. (laughs) Anybody else gained any weight in the pandemic? (laughs) I have the pandemic pounds, yes. I have, I don't think I've gone taller, but I have grown fatter. Thank you, Israel Moore. So, you know, we're being changed by this, whether we want to or not. So my question to you tonight is, since we are being changed by it, how about if we get control of the change and make the change worth it? Amen. That's what I want to talk to you tonight about. I want to speak to you about spiritual growth or spiritual maturity, because we're in a very unique season, and you and I have a very great opportunity here. And my question is, are there areas of our spiritual lives where we need to mature? And no matter how long you've been walking with God, the answer to that is yes, Because nobody's perfect and nobody's got it all together. I don't care how long we've walked with God. None of us have it all together. We're not all perfect. So here is my title for you tonight. It is Old Dog, New Tricks. All right. Can you teach an old dog new tricks? Can you actually change? Uh, The phrase, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, was actually originated by Haywood in 1546. This has been around a long time. And it's considered one of the oldest idioms in the English language. And the oldest written record of it is in John Fitzherbert's The Boke of Husbandry, which was actually written in 1534. So I'm going to share it with you now. I hope you can see this. We got a slide, I think, with it on there. Can you can you see that? Okay, you want to try and read it with me? This is old English. And he, a shepherd, must teach his dog to bark when he would have him, to run when he would have him, and to leave running, stop running when he would have him, or else he is not a cunning shepherd. The dog must learn it when he is a whelp, or else it will not be, for it is hard to make an old dog to stoop. And that word actually means put his nose to the ground to find a scent. Now, give yourselves a hand. You just read... Actually, that's more like Middle English, not Old English. Old English, you wouldn't even be able to read at all. (laughs) So this was where it originated. You better find that dog when he's young and teach him what to do. Because when he's old, you're going to have a hard time teaching that dog how to perform. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. And this phrase really means it's difficult to teach someone new skills or to change someone's habit or character. But I want to refute that old idiom tonight. Because you can teach an old dog new tricks. Now, tonight we have a lot of young people with us. And I'm sorry if you can't relate to this. But some of us old dogs here can relate. You can teach an old dog new tricks. You can change. You can. Life can change. You're never too old to make a change. A person can change. And we should be committed to change. 
to life change that reflects spiritual maturity. So here's my question tonight. Is it possible to be saved and yet be spiritually immature? It is. It's possible to be saved and then never become a really mature Christian. I want to show you a couple verses from the epistles. And we just studied an uh, incredible uh, study on all the epistles. But I want to read you these couple. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of flesh and as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not able. Paul was saying, look, I trusted the fact that you would have grown up some in Christ, but you haven't. Something's happened to you. You're spiritually immature. These were saints. These were people who were saved for a while. But Paul was challenged because they weren't where they should have been spiritually. Hebrews 5.12 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. So here's my question for you tonight. When is, it, when is the time for you to reach spiritual maturity? And I want to say it's now. Are you in tune with the times and what is happening in the world? There are signals almost daily that this could be the end of time. So if we're going to get it right, I think now's the time. Do you feel that way? If we're going to turn it on spiritually, if we're going to mature spiritually, I think now's the time. Now's as good a time as any. Why? Because we really don't have any guarantee what tomorrow is going to be like. And we're 184 days into a pandemic, people. You know what I'm saying? Come on. How am I changed? How is my life better because of the situation that I've lived in? It's time to reach for spiritual maturity. So what is maturity? The word maturity means full development. It means perfected condition. But it doesn't mean perfect, perfect, because none of us are perfect, and we're not going to be perfect. But according to the scriptures, we should be reaching to become more than what we have been in the past. How much have you changed spiritually, even in the last year? Or are you still the same person you were five years ago spiritually? I feel very challenged by that. And I lived for God a long time. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says, And the God, the very God of peace, sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto, unto the coming of the Lord. I want to explain some terms to you here and help you understand really the process of salvation in your life. He said, I, I pray, God, your whole spirit, your soul, and your body all be preserved blameless all be grown up and be mature spiritually, your spirit, your soul, and your body, when? Until the day of the coming of the Lord. Amen. And I'm looking for that day tonight. Amen. So I want to give you three terms here that uh, are big words, but they pack a lot of meaning. The first one is justification. It's really salvation from the penalty of sin. When you were saved, that moment that you were saved, you were justified. Your life changed at the moment that you were saved, and God wiped away all your past. Amen. Do you remember that day when you were saved? Justification means that you come into right standing with God, and that's what happens in your spirit because the Holy Spirit fills your spirit 
and your life is forever changed, and you're justified. So it does not matter how mature that person is spiritually at that moment. They're fully saved, 100%, right? At the moment that you're saved, when that person comes to know the Lord, they're just as saved as anybody that's been saved 50 years. Why? Because the blood of Christ remits their sins, and they are saved. Amen. That's justification. But the second term is sanctification. So justification is dealing with our past, but sanctification is dealing with our present. And I am involved in sanctification because if I'm going to be sanctified, if I'm going to be purged and cleansed and walk blameless, I have to take ownership of that. And that's what spiritual maturity is. It's a process of becoming more like Christ because you know that sometimes people get saved and the next day they're still fighting with some sin. They're still fighting with some habits. They're still fighting with some things that trouble them. Is this true? And you can serve God for a while and still fight with habits and still fight with things that trouble you. So you're in the process of sanctification. You're in the process of dealing with those things that are, are hanging on. So sanctification is present. The last one is glorification, and that is salvation from the presence of sin. One of these days when we are glorified, we will not deal with sin anymore. Because at that moment of the rapture, when the trumpet sounds and we get a new body, the Bible says, we'll no longer be in these sinful bodies anymore or troubled by any sin in our flesh. That won't even exist anymore. We'll be glorified. So justification is the past. Sanctification is the present. It's the power over sin. And glorification is the presence, no more presence of sin in our lives. Those three terms. God works in our spirit. He works in our soul and he works in our body. So I have been saved. I am being saved and I will be saved. Amen. I have been saved. I was fully saved on that day when I repented. I was water baptized and I received the Holy Ghost. But guess what? Right now, I am being saved. Why? Because I'm in the process of working it out, of dealing with this flesh, of finding a way to honor God in my life. Do you understand what I'm saying? I am being saved, but I can't wait for that day. Well, I will be totally saved and I won't have to worry about this anymore. Praise God. Second Corinthians 1 verse 10 says, who delivered us from so great a death. That's the past. That's justification. That he came into our lives and he changed it forever. And he does deliver us. Amen. That's the present. That's the progressive. That's sanctification. That's spiritual maturity. That's what I'm talking about tonight. And in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. And that's the future. Amen. That's glorification. A.W. Post said the word salvation is the most elastic word in the Bible. Because it stretches to accommodate the sinner and the saint alike. Why? It doesn't matter where you are today. And I want to say, if you have not yet found a complete work of salvation in your life, oh, do not wait. Amen. Find a place to repent. Amen. Make a place of water baptism and find a place to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost so that the work of salvation can begin and you can be justified. What a feeling to live free from sin. Praise God. What a feeling not to have guilt in my life anymore. But we live in this flesh, so we're in the process of spiritual maturity because guess what? Nobody's perfect. 
So tonight I want to challenge you in some areas of spiritual maturity, and I'm asking you to kind of take a self-check. Really, I'm talking about sanctification. I'm talking about that journey to Christian maturity, spiritual maturity. I want to focus on Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, and share them with you tonight. And this I pray, verse 9, this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. I'm going to take a few minutes tonight and just unpack these verses for you. Why? Because my hunger tonight is to help you see that a life of a mature Christian is a very good life. And if there are areas in my life of immaturity, then I'm ready to find a way to mature those areas and become all that Christ has asked me to be. Can you make that journey with me tonight? Don't let this time, this pandemic pass you by. Don't let this unique season that we're in just be oblivious to it and say, well, whatever, I hope I endure it and let's come out at the end. God is doing something very unique. Sunday, we opened the prayer rooms here at 8.30 and at 10.30. And I, I was amazed Sunday at the urgency in the prayer rooms. I don't know if anybody else was here that was in the prayer room Sunday, but I felt such a touch of God. I feel like we're in a season where if we, if we don't tune in, we're going to miss what God could have accomplished in our lives. And we've just spent a half year in a pandemic. So where are we? That's my heart tonight. Where are we? A mature Christian is marked by abounding love. Philippians 1.9. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. Paul was stating that the Philippians already possessed love, this type of love. But he said, I want you not just have this kind of love. I want you to be known for this love. I, when people think of you, Philippian church, I want them to say, wow, that is a very loving church, that they are genuine in that love. Mature churches are marked by this type of love. It's real love. It's genuine love. It's receiving love. It's accepting love. It's agape. It's really God's love. And I have felt that Pastor Tom and Pastor Kristen have been pushing for this recently in some of the series where they have been teaching it. How can you show that kind of love, not just to everyone who's like you, but how can you find someone who's not like you and show that kind of love? That's the environment we're living in right now. In Philippi, and I was amazed when, when I saw this, in Philippi, there's two very... Uh, people, two people who stand out from Philippi who had this kind of love. Lydia, and I don't know if you remember her story, but she was a wealthy woman who sold goods, and the Bible calls her a seller of purple. Uh, she sold high royal garments, but when she, when she got saved and she heard about Paul, she made a place in her home for Paul to come, and she said, look, I'm going to open up my home, and I'm going to take care of everybody in your party. They're all coming to my house. Love turned her into a very giving person. Love turned her into somebody that was caring about other people. And that's what the Apostle Paul says. I want you to abound in love. Not just average love, but abundant love, abounding love. How about the jailer? 
the Philippian jailer, he was from Philippi. This happened in Philippi. And even though he was not saved at the beginning of the story, he was the one holding Paul and fastening his feet in the stocks. When the earthquake came and shook up the jail, and he was, he said, he was ready to kill himself because he thought he was going to be killed by the Romans anyway. Paul said, don't do yourself any harm. They baptized him and his entire household. And then do you, you know what he did? He took Paul and washed all the wounds that he had created by fastening Paul in those stocks. He, the Bible says he washed Paul's wounds himself. That's what I'm talking about here. How can love change us? How can we be more than what we've been before when it comes to abounding love? Pastor Ellis mentioned, uh, I think it was last Sunday, the TCC meal challenge to receive somebody, to have dinner with somebody new that you haven't been with before, maybe somebody who's not exactly like you. Why? Because mature Christians have abounding love. Amen. Help us, Lord, to do it. Love is an act of the will. And sometimes it's not convenient, and sometimes it's not comfortable, but it's what God is asking for us if we're going to be mature. So my question to you today is, who is God calling you to love? Not just the people you already love, but who else is God calling you to love? The second one, a mature Christian is marked by growing knowledge. Philippians 1.9, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and discernment or depth of insight. A mature Christian should be growing in the knowledge of the scriptures. Listen, we never peak in understanding the word of God. This is a treasure. And the more you read it, the more you apply it, the richer your life will become. Because the word of God is powerful and it can change your life. Oh God, let us never become dull of it. Let us never become where this is commonplace in our lives. It was the word of God that saved us. It was the word of God that changed our lives. Praise God, it's rich. And so finding a way to get that into my life is important. A mature Christian is always seeking to abound in it, to understand it more, to teach it, to obey it. This is why Growth University is a great use of your Wednesday nights. It calls you back to a study of the Word of God. And I'm very thankful for the way Pastor Tom and Pastor Kristen approach Growth University, as I feel like they have systematically unpacked the Word of God. I have been around a long time, and I learned so much about the epistles over the last several weeks that I never had a concept of. And I've been to Bible school. It was excellent. I feel different because now some of the things that I have learned. So I'm telling you, take advantage of Growth University. Have you ever considered Purpose Institute? I'm making a plug for Purpose Institute, but we're getting ready to start this Friday night. It's a way to systematically study the Word of God and get the Word of God into your life. But what about your own personal plan to read and study the Word of God? Oh, during this pandemic, I have felt so drawn to a personal time with God. Because at the, in those early months, that's all we had. You know, we had church online, and I was so glad to see all your faces up here worshiping God and giving your best. But we were very isolated. And so I felt drawn to, God, what are you saying to me? We've just come through six months of a pandemic. Mm. Are you changing Have you heard God speak to you personally in this last six months? Praise God. I don't want to miss what God is doing. What if this is setting us up for the rapture? 
Are there things in the Word of God that you know, but maybe you don't do them yet? Yes. <laughs> do you have anything in the Word of God that you wish you were in full obedience to? I do. Are there spiritual disciplines you haven't mastered yet? Yes. Come on, we're all perfect. Nobody's got this all figured out, but we're trying. Why? Because we're in process of sanctification. We're trying to become more and more like him. And I promise you, the more you get the word of God into your life, the more your life will change. Why? Because that's the power of the word of God. So my question is, how are you growing in knowledge of God's word? How are you growing in the knowledge of God's word? And are you expanding your obedience to that knowledge? Amen. You guys good? I feel like I'm plowing tonight here. Oh, I feel a burden. I don't want to have six months. When I added up the days, I'm like, man, we just went through six months of this. How am I changed? How am I different? How have I grown? I don't want to miss it. Amen. A mature Christian is marked by spiritual integrity. Philippians 1.10 says that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense or blameless till the day of Christ. Um, Paul prayed for the Philippians to really become sincere, to be blameless. It referred both to their inner attitudes and, out, and their outward behavior. He said, I want you to be real and true. I want you to be honest and sincere. I've got such a kick out, and I'm sure you've seen all this. Everybody's on Zoom meetings these days. Uh, and when the pandemic really started, it went crazy, didn't it? Everybody was on meetings at home. And there's all these little funny videos of people that, you know, all you can see is from their face up, and they look like this perfect person, but from their neck down, they are, you should not look because it's horrible. <laughs> It's cracking me up. You see, people set up screens of what their Zoom is supposed to look like, like they're in some exotic, you know, land somewhere, and they're actually sitting, you know, in their basement hoping their internet works or whatever. You know, we're living in a crazy time here, and we've set ourselves up for some insincerity, but Paul's like, no, I want you to be sincere. Be who you are. Don't be a hypocrite. Be, to be free of hypocrisy. Don't put on a front. Be honest. And then he said, I want you to be blameless. And blameless means without stumbling or without offense. It means this. I'm keeping my life right, and I don't want you to stumble over me. That's the word blameless, actually, what it actually means. I'm hanging on. I'm doing the best I can, but I sure don't want to cause you to fall. That's blameless, a person who's blameless. Sometimes immature Christians say, what am I allowed to do according to the scripture? Where is the line? But mature Christians say, would this freedom cause anyone else to stumble? Then if it would, no, I'm not going to do it. Are there any areas of secret or covered sins or faults in your life? Maybe it's time to confront those things. Are there sins or weights when you've been dealing with for a long time? It's time to root those things out of your life. Amen. It's time to grow up. And then the last one, a mature Christian is marked by good works. Philippians 1.11 says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness that come through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I also want to read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus, why? To do good works. This is why we were created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So this is talking about the fruit of righteousness. And you know 
that it's an apple tree by the fact that when you look at the fruit, it's apples. You know it's a peach tree because at the end of the branches, there are peaches. That's how you know what kind of tree it is. Uh, Very few of us, I'm sure, can look at a tree without fruit on it and tell what kind of tree it is. When you see the fruit, then you know what kind of tree it is. And we should be bearing the fruits of righteousness, which are the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Wow. The The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Is there anybody want to join me tonight and say, I got some maturity to do in some of these areas. I don't have it all in control yet. I don't have it all mastered yet, but I want to. Why? Because the fruit that comes out of my life should be the fruit of the spirit. This tree should be identified as Christ. My life should be identified as Christ would be. And the fruit coming out of it should be the fruit of the spirit. It's not my fruit. It's the fruit of the spirit. So if I'm filled with the spirit, the fruit coming out of my life should be that fruit. Oh God, help us. Love, joy, peace. Amen. Peace. Have you needed it during the last six months? Patience. How about that? Have you needed that in the last six months? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Another area that is really important as a fruit of righteousness is praise. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that confess his name. When we first started this whole uh, pandemic situation and we were having church in our home, uh, and when the music would come on, we made it our habit to get up. And this was just our thing. Why? Because when we were here worshiping, we would be up and standing or whatever. I just felt this urgency in my heart to get up. And I know I felt a little ridiculous a few times. But I'm like, you know what? No. I only have a brief window for these couple songs that these dear people are singing on this platform where I'm going to connect with the Spirit of God in this way. And guess what? I'm giving it all I have here in my living room. And even when you come to church now, oh, my heart has just been so blessed to see people behind a mask singing and praising God. You know what? It's the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Mature Christians don't go well because I've got a mask over my mouth there's nothing I can do here. You know what? No, the mask has nothing to do with praise. I'm giving praise to God. Why? Because he's worthy of it. And when you're mature, you push through those situations and go, so what? This is a little bit of an inconvenience, but it doesn't shut down my praise to God. Why? Because I make a choice as a mature Christian to be a praiser. And I'm telling you what the blessings are that come into your life. When you turn from complaining to praise, Immature Christians are complainers, but mature Christians are praisers. Why? Because I know what the Lord has done, and that's what I choose to focus on. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So is there any fruit of the Spirit which is undeveloped or underdeveloped in your life? Do you find yourself complaining? Yes, sometimes I do. So it's time to maybe grow up a little bit. Amen. We're going to do our app time now, and then when we finish app time, we're going to come back, and I'm going to give just a few more important instructions about how to grow spiritually. Amen. So here's the app time. Uh, do you have somebody you can talk to there? Are you close enough? Or you can shout six feet <laughs> from someone who is six feet from you now. 
Identify one or more of these four areas of spiritual maturity where you say, you know what, I want to grow in this area. This is some work I need to do, and I'm ready to do it. Abounding love and showing love to others. Or how about growing in knowledge? Are you looking for maybe a little bit step higher when it comes to the word of God and applying it to your life? Or how about spiritual integrity, living a very sincere and blameless life where you're not stumbling and people aren't stumbling over you? And what about good works, demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit and praising God? Can you identify at least one, maybe two? You could be all four, but hey, let's just try one. (laughs) One area you feel like, you know what, I want to tackle this. Okay, we'll take a couple minutes here. I don't know what the normal time is, but Brother Forrest, you can help me here and Find somebody to talk to through your mask and say, hey, here's what I'm going to be working on. Amen. All right. Well, have you got it figured out? Have you found an area you want to grow and change a little bit? Have you found something you could work on? Or all these things? Or just one? How about just one? So spiritual maturity, the question is, what are you waiting for? A pandemic? We've got that. What are you waiting for? Uh, Here's the real challenge. Here's the kicker. Change is hard. (laughs) Yes, it makes you tired. Change is hard and it makes you worn out. Change is hard. Change is difficult, isn't it? If it was easy, we'd all do it right away, but we can't because it's hard. (laughs) That was so awesome. It's not automatic. Change takes work, and you have to be intentional. But it is possible, and God is calling us to it. it. It's the call that Calvary's under right now. Pastor Tom's message on Sunday morning wrecked me, calling us toward 
moving into something else, what God is calling us to. I want to share this little article with you, which really helped me see this in a new light. And it's just a little bit of reading. Can people really change how to understand growth for adults and kids? This is by a woman named, actually a doctor, Gretchen Smelsner. She's a therapist, consultant, and executive coach. And this is what she said. So what do we mean when we talk about change? We don't question whether babies and children can change. Isn't that true? Because they're changing every day, every other day. If you had kids, I'm sure you went through this. I went through this with my son, which I apologize to him now. I remember one time I went to buy him shoes because I knew he needed new shoes because his shoes didn't seem like they were fitting well. And he was up three sizes. And the, and the shoe guy at the shoe store looked at me like, what kind of mother are you? <laughs> I didn't even know what had happened. In a moment, kids change. Their lives are changing. They're changing physically. And we pray that our teenagers will change. This is what she says. I'm not saying that. But she said, we pray that our teenagers will change. But somehow when we get to adulthood, we believe in a fixed notion of a person. That they will essentially be who they are. So why bother with change? either my own or supporting someone else. It can be really difficult to make change. It's difficult to shift something, to learn something new. And that's why we find ourselves doing that same frustrating thing over and over again. So tonight my title is Old Dog, New Tricks. Can you change? Schmelzer makes this observation that children are the gurus of change. They are growing, changing, evolving from the moment they they are born. And what makes this change possible, and this is where I want to conclude tonight, it's they have a safe platform, a secure environment in which to change and grow. Because when you have children in your home, they don't realize this, but as they are changing, they know that you're going to provide that safe environment for them so that when they come out of it, becoming the adult, they've been through a safe environment that has allowed for all those changes in their lives. It's very true. And this is, she said, where I think we are terrible about growth in adulthood. In the best of circumstances, children live in a world where they can safely lean on the adults around them, where the soil of their lives is safe enough that they can spend their energy growing. The dependence and security of their lives doesn't make them helpless. It provides a safe platform from which to launch. She said, so much of the work I do as a counselor and a therapist isn't getting people to change or making people change. It's getting them to create an environment that would allow them to grow or heal or change. My experience is that adults want to grow too. And so here's where I want to end tonight. You are a part of a family a body, which is a safe and secure environment in which you can change. The church is that place. When we first came to the Lord as a family, I was a child at that time, but we came from a very broken situation. God plucked us up out of nowhere. A pastor came to our home and invited us to church We started going, and we began a path of life change, which was astronomical. We went from total brokenness to coming to know the Lord and changing our lives. 
And the beauty was we had people around us who did not know us. When we came to that church, we had no family there. We didn't know anyone. But they loved us and cared enough about us to help us walk through sanctification and spiritual maturity. And we made it. And many of you made that same journey. And that's what the Calvary Church is. That's what life groups are. It's a place where you can grow and change. It's a place where six months from now, you don't have to be the same person that you are right now. So can you teach an old dog new tricks? Oh, yes, you can. The old dog's just got to decide he's ready to learn the new tricks. <laughs> Let's stand together and pray. I pray that I've just lit a little fire inside of you today, that if you have coasted through this last six months, and if you have, I do not blame you. That has definitely been the, the feeling I think all of us have had to just exist and get by, to make it through it. But now that we've done this for six months, I have this feeling like, you know what, we need to change how we're thinking about it and say, God, what are you doing? And how can I become the person you want me to be even during a pandemic? Because the things that can change and need to change have nothing to do with the pandemic. They're inside of me. Inside of me. Amen. As we close tonight, and we're right on time, hallelujah. I want to thank the Lord for justification that I know him and that I have been saved from my past. But I want to thank him for sanctification, which is the process he's working in me right now to change and become the mature Christian I want to be. And then I'm going to thank him for glorification that day when all this struggle will be over. We'll have new bodies and we'll be with him forever. Amen. Would you join me this evening? God, I'm so thankful for what you, the work of salvation you've done in our lives. And if there are people here tonight that need to see that work completed, I declare total salvation on their behalf and that you will fill them with the baptism of your spirit and God begin the total work in their lives. And now tonight, if we found anything, as your word has been presented to us, where we need to grow and change, give us the courage to attack it. Find accountability partner, find somebody in a life group, find a friend who'll walk with us in that journey. Because God, when we, when we go six months from now and we look back, I don't want to be the same person I am standing here today. I know that I have access to your word, that the things that are troubling me or the things that are caught up in my spirit can change, God, with the power of your presence and God, your word applied to it. And we are not stuck in addictions. We are not stuck with disappointments. We are not stuck with mindsets that are against your word. We're not stuck with that, God. We can grow and change to become the mature Christians, God, that you have called us to be. And then I give you thanks that one of these days, and it might not be too long from now, that we will see glorification, God, when we are with you eternally, and all this is over, and I give you praise for that. Hallelujah. Amen. Help us to be the people that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. 
consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.